says that the apostles returned to Jesus and told them all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Jesus, of course, because he had been healing all these folks, people were crowds were just were just going left and right to, to find him and to the point that the disciples had, you know, no time to themselves. Certainly Jesus had no time to himself. When you find and discover this man who is, who is healing and the blind and, and raising the dead and just all these amazing things that are happening. And so they, they, they try to hide, try to disappear and go to this desolate place and they went away. This is now many of them saw them going, of course, and recognized them. And they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And when he went ashore and saw, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, the disciples came to him and said, hey, this is, this is a desolate place. And the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. You know, the time's gotten late. Everyone's tired. We haven't had a time to ourselves a moment. Surely you haven't, Jesus. It's time to eat. This is what we do. Let's send everybody home. But he answered them. And said something kind of crazy, right? He says, you give them something to eat. This is a lot of people. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? 200 denarii, um, basically they were talking about, it was like almost a, basically the equivalent of almost a year's salary. For somebody to provide that much bread, that much food for all these people. So, you know, you know, is that how we're supposed to deal with this, Jesus? How are we supposed to handle this? And Jesus says this, he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. How much bread you got, right? And when they had found out, they said, we have five loaves and two fish. And then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the, the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. So here we have this incredible story where, you know, where in the world are we going to take care of, take care of these people? We're talking about 5,000 men. That didn't include the women, didn't include the children. We're talking about a huge group of people. What do you do when you've gone away? Okay, you've heard Jesus teach. All right, go home and eat. You have, to, you have to take care of that part yourself. But Jesus says, you feed them. 
don't have the money to do it. Jesus takes care of it to the point that there's leftovers. There's more food now after than when they began. Five loaves and two fish. And then we have baskets, 12, I think, how much did it say? Took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. They're left over. The leftovers are more than the, ori than the original meal. You ever had leftovers that are more than the original meal? That just doesn't happen, does it? And so this is a really cool story, but you wonder, the disciples have a lot to learn. And I think today the perspective that I want to encourage you to, to look at yourself this morning as we encounter Scripture is as one of those disciples in the aspect of really learning and understanding who Jesus is. We all have a perspective, I think, many times of who Jesus is. And the disciples had a lot to learn. Because their initial reaction is, well, send them away. Jesus' reaction is, no, we're going to take care of them. How are we going to do it with five loaves and two fish? Well, just watch and see. And so they have a lot to learn. And, and this is what happens next. It says, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, the other side of the lake, right? To Bethsaida, where he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea and he was alone on the land. It says that he saw that they were making headway painfully for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea and he meant to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, take heart. It is I do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them. And what does it say happens next? The wind ceased. Jesus hops in the boat and all of a sudden everything just calms down. The, you have to understand that the sea that they were on, the Sea of Galilee in particular, was like people died in, in this sea because the wind could whip thing waves up so crazy that it would come into the boat and people would just sink. And this was a very small sea. It was almost really more of an extended lake, honestly. Just a huge, huge lake. But it was called the Sea of Galilee. Well, I believe it was a saltwater sea. But they were terrified. They could have easily died. And then all of a sudden, Jesus is there and just... Just stops. Seeing someone walking out, not realizing who it was, seeing the wind just die down, had to be a pretty creepy and freaky and holy crow kind of moment. What's going on here? So they were terrified, but immediately spoke to them. It's I. It gets in the boat. The wind stops. And it says this. And I think this is interesting. This is the heart of what we're talking about today. He said, he got into the boat with them and the wind ceased and they were utterly astounded. What were they utterly astounded about? Look at what it says. For they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. 
doesn't say that they were astounded about the, the wind and the waves. Certainly that was a part of it. But it goes back to the previous story. They, they were astounded. They just didn't understand about the loaves. Their hearts, it says, were hardened. They couldn't grasp at what Jesus had done. How in the world do you take five loaves and two fish and feed about probably about eight in reality with the children and the women about 8,000 or more people and walk away with all this? See, they're beginning to see who Jesus really is. They're beginning to see how he does things and they, they don't get it. They don't grasp it. I think as we walk through this life as Christians, we can hear a lot of things, we can see a lot of things, but there's still, there's still some moments where, I, I, some times where we don't get it. I think about my life when I was a, when I was a teenager. I, I went to church, grew up going to church. I would sit there and I'd go through it all. And I'd see the music and all this kind of stuff, but I didn't pay any attention. You know, I remember using the opportunity to, to hey, Dad, can I go to the bathroom? Just for an opportunity just to get out of the service. You know, just to go walk around this big church and, you know, I would take my time. You know, my dad didn't really say, what took you so long? Because he was engaged in the service. I didn't get it. There was a time later on, though, that I did get it. There's a difference between people that get it, right, and don't get it. There's different kinds of things that you're involved in, you know, and we're, there's a lot of game talk going on this morning, and so-and-so plays this game and that game. And there are other, some of us, like Diane, my wife, who's on the outside, that clearly does not get it. She doesn't know one thing about how to play Magic the Gathering, and she doesn't care, right? She does not play Xbox. She doesn't know what, is it Apex? What is it called? You know, Apex, you know what is that? But you know, there's a, there's a gathering of people that when you come together, for those of you who are gamers that go online or they go into Play Live Nation, there's a gathering of people that you walk in and you're like, I'm home. These people get it. And you're sitting in this leather chair next to this other leather chair, and there's almost like a silent nod, you know? It's like the, the what's up nod. These are my people. They get it. But the disciples had been traveling with Jesus, and they just didn't get it. Why did he do this? How did this happen? It says they were struggling with it. They didn't understand it and their hearts were hardened. It wasn't getting in their heart. The aspect of hardening here, when I've, I've studied it over this week, I don't think is the aspect of that they were angry at Jesus. They were hard-hearted. It wouldn't allow, but it wasn't getting in. It wasn't permeating. They weren't taking it in. It's like, you know, being back in high school, sitting in that class that you hate, and it's just, wah, 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 wah. it's not getting in. So Jesus does these incredible things, and they're just, they're astounded, but they're just not grasping who he is. They don't, they don't get it. 
And it's interesting because the story continues and, and after this point, they, they go to this other area and Jesus heals some more people. And then he ends up talking to the Pharisees and they're explaining, you know, where, what it means to be defiled and undefiled. And I don't even want to go down that road. And it continues on. There's another lady that's healed. This is healing of this deaf man. But then we get to chapter 8 of Mark. Mark chapter 8, verse 1. They're continuing to follow Jesus around. Crowds are continuing to gather around to get their peak, to try to touch Jesus if they're sick, to be healed, to, to be around this guy. And it says, in those days, when again a great crowd had gathered, and again, they had nothing to eat. Another big crowd, another group of hungry people. It says that he called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from far away. And his disciples answered him, You're a disciple in the crowd. Jesus says, Hey, let's feed thousands of people again. What do you say? What do you think? You'd probably be, I would be thinking, All right, cool, let's do this thing. You know? Can I, can I like stand next to you this time, Jesus? Because I don't understand how like the bread just kept coming out of this basket after it broke and like fish are being multiplied. You've turned five into thousands. I, you know, this is great. I, I want to document it this time. Luke, get over here. You're the doctor. You can document this precisely. Let's get it. Let's get, get it on. Let's see this happen. This is the second time this has happened. Jesus says, I have compassion on them. I want to give them something to eat. I don't want to send them away. And some of them, you know, we got, we got to take care of these folks. And it says, and his disciples answered him. How? What do you mean how? How can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place. Imagine Jesus kind of scratching his head. What do you mean how? You were there the first time. And he asked them, he said, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven. Well, I've got two more than the last time. He says, Great. And he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And they set them before the crowd, and they had a few small fish. And having blessed them, he said that these also should be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied. And they took up the broken pieces, the leftovers, seven baskets full. And there were about 4,000 people here this time. 
They sent them away, and immediately they got into the boat with the disciples and went to the district of Delmanathua, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. So it happened again. First time, 5,000 guys. Second time, 4,000. And they, the disciples just weren't getting it. And they carry on. The disciples, the Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them, got into the boat again, and went to the other side. You would think all the things Jesus had already done, all the healings, all those type of things would be enough. And so the disciples get into the boat again. It says, now they had forgotten to bring bread, which is funny to me because they had so little and then fed thousands and had like seven basketfuls this time left over, first time 12, and they forgot to bring it. And so they forgot to bring bread. They'd only brought one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them saying, watch out, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. What's leaven, by the way? Yeast, right? If you've ever made pizza dough, you know, made some bread or something, that's that key ingredient, okay? And so, beware of that. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not? yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Jesus is like, we're not, I'm not talking about physical bread. His disciples weren't getting it. He said, do you, have you, have you, do you not perceive? Do you not understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember. He says this, when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of broken pieces did you take up? Jesus is like, hey, wake up. When I did it the first time, how many pieces did you take up? How many basketfuls did you take up? And they said to him, 12. And the, and the seven for the 4,000, the second time I did this, how many basketfuls of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And then he said to them, do you not yet understand? Do you still not grasp who I am? You've been around me for so long and you still don't get it. I think that's interesting because he heals a blind man then it, and then it continues in this passage. We're in Mark chapter 8, verse 27 now. It says, And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, what do you guys think? Here's a, Who do people say that I am? After all this time, after all these things that you've seen, just heal the blind man. We just fed 
5,000, 4,000 demons being cast from people, all kinds of stuff. Who do people, who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist and others say Elijah and, and others, one of the prophets. They think you're this, they think you're that. And with those that had walked close to him, he turns to his disciples and he says to them, though, he says, but who do you say that I am? Who am I? That's really a, a key question. You know, there was that moment, like I said to you, I had been in church for so long. I had grown up around church. I'd seen all kinds of things, but I didn't really get it. And he asked them, who do you say that I am? And Peter answered him and said, you are the Christ. Christ means the Messiah, the one that they had been looking for, the one they had been waiting for that God was supposed to send to redeem Israel, to make things right. And of course, we know the rest of the story that Jesus as the Messiah died on the cross for our sins, to forgive us from our sins, that he rose from the grave on the third day. And, and, and since spring is right around the corner, right? It will not be long until we're celebrating that fact. Easter is almost here. You're the Christ. So Jesus continued from that point and he began to teach them that the Son of Man himself must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days, rise again. And he said this plainly. It's interesting. He says he said it plainly. He was very clear about what his mission was and what he was supposed to do. But Peter, the same guy that just a moment ago understood who he was, took him aside and began to rebuke him saying, no, you know, Jesus, this will never happen to you. We don't want you to die, right? But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not settle, set, setting, excuse me, setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. You're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. It's really another way of saying, Peter, you've come a long way. You understand a lot, but you still don't get it. And there's that wrestling back and forth that we have at times between doing things man's way or doing things God's way. Looking at life man's way or looking at life God's way. Hey, how are we going to feed all these people? Man's way says we only have five loaves of bread and a couple of fish. We can't do it. God says, no, we have five loaves and two fish and it will be multiplied and it will feed a multitude. Man's way versus God's way. 
And you run across that in your life every day. But as a believer in Christ, we're to live life God's way. We're to get it. We're to understand that life is bigger than what we see in front of us. It's bigger than five loaves and two fish. That because of who we serve, because we're Christians, because we follow the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who made everything, that life is much bigger because of who we serve. Are we blind or do we really see? And Jesus, after this encounter with Peter, says something very powerful that I want you to really think about and we'll be through. It says, in calling the crowd to to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, If anyone's going to follow me, if anyone's going to be a Christian, if anyone's going to be one of my disciples, if you're going to do that, if anyone would come after me, says, let him deny himself. In other words, it's not about you, Peter. It's not about you, Lance. Let Let him deny himself. It's not about us. Of course, we're really good at making things about us. But if you're going to follow Jesus, let him... You have to deny yourself. And then he says this, and then take up his cross. There was a a very visual example that people saw in front of them. It was a cross. For us, when we look at a cross in this modern age, it's really more of a decoration. You know, I like to watch baseball. A lot of those guys out there, all these baseball players, I don't know how they do it run around and bat and catch and all this big old gold chains. You know, it's like the, the bigger, the better, the flashier, the cooler they are. That's not just baseball players, but big, big crosses. It's a decoration. You know, it's, it's on steeples and churches and, you know, it's that kind of thing. But in this day, the cross was much more vivid because they were living under the Romans. And when the Romans saw someone that was going against the Roman authority, that there was someone that was not listening to them, someone that was worthy of death, that these people were literally carrying crosses that they were about to be crucified on. If you were to be crucified, you were to carry your own cross over to the area where it was to be done. It wasn't a decoration. It was a reality right in front of their very eyes. It was a very brutal way to die. And so Jesus says, if you're going to come after me, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Denial to what point? What do you mean by that, right? He makes it clear because the disciples weren't getting it. Denial of yourself, not meaning, okay, I'm not going to have cheesecake for dinner. I'm going to deny cheesecake, you know. I'm going to set that aside for today. No, we're talking about legitimate denial of yourself to the point that he uses the, the visual of the cross. That your life is dead. Your life is done. It's not about you any longer. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself 
and take up his cross and follow me. And then he says this, and you really have to make sure you're one of those people that get it, right? Because he says, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. That's such a conundrum at first. To save your life, you try to save your own life. You try to take it into your own hands, essentially, is what he's saying. You'll lose it. You mess it up. Because you're going to go about it man's way. Peter and the disciples, if they were going to try to figure out those solutions to feeding a crowd of 5,000, would have had to have taken up a collection, would have had to have left all these people behind, sitting there starving on the hillside to find loaves and fish and who in the world is going to pay a year's wage to take care of this group of people for one moment, for one meal. You're not getting it. You try to do it yourself. You try to save your own life, if you will. You don't have the power. You can't feed 5,000 people. But Jesus can. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But he says this, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. If you're willing to trust Jesus and set yourself aside, he says, is when you really find life. When you're willing to realize what I can do with five, fi five loaves of bread and two fish, you'll, ex you'll experience miraculous things. And it's such a step of faith to trust him and not ourselves. And then he wraps it up and says, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and to forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? We're always faced with a choice to go after the things of, world, of the world or to go after the things of God. And the true and lasting rewards will always be the things of God. The true, fulfilled, enriched life that makes sense is always going to be found in Jesus. Always. I want to be one of those guys that, that gets it. You know? And in the South, we have, we have that example in front of us. In the North, people don't go to church unless they, they want to be there. In the South, it's a cultural thing. In the South, people go to church because you're expected to, or, you know, and that's even changing in the South. But so Southerners in particular, are you coming to church because you're expected to? Or are you coming to church because you get it? You want to know and serve God. We're going to have a, have a time of, of communion this morning. I'm going to go ahead and actually grab it. I want you to take a moment, if you will, as we get ready for communion, just to, just to bow your heads for a second.
just take this time between you and the Lord to, if there's just something in your life right now that you need to take to God to make things right, just pray and ask him to forgive you. Maybe you just haven't been spending the time with him that you really want to. Just ask him to help you with that. To be one of those people that get it. That trusts him. Lord, we thank you for this moment together. We thank you that you love us. Lord, we ask that you would forgive us for our sins, Lord, and that you would cleanse us, or that you would draw us so much closer to yourself. Lord, we love you. Help us to love you more. Help us to trust you with every part of who we are. Lord, as we celebrate communion together, Lord, this morning, we, we just want to take this time to remember you, to remember what you've done for us on the cross. Lord, your blood that was shed for us, your, your body that was broken. It's in your name we pray. We're going to take communion in a different, different kind of way today.